Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of the What the Fundus podcast. And this is Michael Marino, and I'm with Dr. Sarah Toomey again. And um, this week, Sarah, you had wanted to talk about what? The uh, inherited retinal disease testing that's offered through Spark Therapeutics. And so how do you think, so first of all, what's kind of your background in this? Like what drew your attention to this topic? Yeah, good question. So I, when I was in residency at Bascom Palmer, one of, um, well, two of my mentors were very, very involved with genetic testing. One was Dr. Um, Dr. Lamb, who's a neuro-ophthalmologist, and he would uh, end up going over a lot of different retinal diseases and then offering genetic testing. Um, and this was before the free ID or IRD uh, testing was available. And we offered genetic testing through, through the eye hospital. The second is another one of my mentors, Dr. Nina Barakal, um, was one of the first surgeons to uh, administer the, the, the intraretinal uh, drug Luxterna for labor's congenital amaurosis, which is now FDA approved. So, you know, when I was in residency, everybody, it, it's just, it was so exciting and, and really people were talking about it all the time. Um, and then the ID, your IRD kits came out and I've noticed that in the offices that I go to, a lot of docs will have the kits, um, but they really don't know what to do with them or in what cases they should use them. Um, and, and I think a lot of docs are kind of scared to get dip their toe into that um, with with very little information given to them. Yeah, I think it's uh, and actually I've never even really seen the Spark Therapeutics uh, genetic tests. I've the last the only genetic testing that I've ever done in practice is for macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. um, there was a company I can't even remember what it was called that, that is called I should say that came out and did that and. And ultimately, it just kind of, when I would approach patients with it, a lot of them basically just weren't interested more, yeah. more than anything else, even though I said, hey, this isn't zero cost, you know, not, nothing, you know, to you or anything like that. Um, so where do you, how, so let's say you're sitting there looking at a patient and in the family history, you know, they say they have a, a strong family history of RP. Mm -hmm. How do you broach the subject with the patient? Yeah, so I have had a, quite a few patients um, with RP, regardless of residency, um, some in my practice before in Southwest Florida. Um, and sometimes it'll be this huge family history, you know, um, lines and lines of uncles and cousins that have um, RP and very little information about it or something else like a rod cone dystrophy or con cone rod dystrophy. Um, and the family knows next to nothing about it. Um, the first thing I thought I'd talk about was the general question, since I have a decent amount of experience with patients with inherited retinal diseases, the types of questions that I don't know that a lot of ODs answer um, when they're sort of suspicious for an inherited retinal disease. Um, the first of the questions that I like to ask is the age of onset. A lot of patients will come in and they'll be like, you know, uh, you know, it, it maybe was when I was in my early teens or maybe it's in their fifties. Um, that kind of information is important to have. And when you do the testing through spark, 
there is an, a category for that. It's a lot of different questions that start off with that. The second thing I like to ask about is when did they start noticing these symptoms? Um, that, like, when did they notice that they were having problems with their visual acuity? When did they start having photophobia? Um, nyctalopia is a difficult question to ask. I've seen patients that aren't diagnosed with RP until their 50s or 60s because they had no idea that they had a problem. Um, you know, you tell people, are, are you, do you have night blindness? Is it difficult for you to see at night? And they haven't known anything else in their life. So instead of wording it as, do you have night blindness? I'll say, you know, do you feel like if you're walking around at night, like people come up to you really suddenly, almost like it's difficult, it's more difficult for you to get your bearings at night. And that is usually a little bit easier of a targeted question. Yeah, and that's kind of hard to, I mean, how many patients do you get a day that say their, their number one thing is say they have difficulty seeing at night? Right, exactly. Yeah. So you're like, oh, is this cataracts or, you know, are they, do they have really light blue eyes? You know, where, where, what kind of uh, worry am I going to have? What level of, of suspicion am I going to have? The next thing I'll ask is what was the first diagnosis? Um, and again, most of these questions are just stolen from the doctors that I've worked with that, that work in inherited retinal diseases. But, you know, what year was, what was their first diagnosis? Was it cone rod dystrophy? Was it rod cone dystrophy? Somebody might have a diagnosis of RP and then now you're telling them, well, it, it might be a cone rod dystrophy instead. And, and they are, um, immediately think you're stupid <laughs> because they're like, well, when I went and saw the specialist when I was five or 10, you know, this is, this is what was told to me. Um, the other things I'll ask about are different syndromic features. Like, do they have a hearing impairment? Have they had a history of cochlear implants or do they have to use hearing aids? Um, or if they had different developmental delays. Um, the next question I'll ask is about chronic medications. So maybe they've actually been using Plaquenil for a really, really long time and we didn't know about it. And this is sort of a masquerader Plaquenil retinopathy. The other thing I'll ask about is a complete family history. Um, and even most of the time what will happen is people will be like, well, you know, they, they didn't know back in those days if there was anything else going on with me. But I would ask about, family members that had issues with their vision or a history of blindness. So something, um, something more vague than that. And then the last thing I'll say is about their driving history. Um, and that kind of allows you to broach the topic a little bit about their safety to drive. Um, you know, you might ask them, they might then just say like, oh yeah, I've never driven. There's no way I could drive. Um, and so that's an important thing to talk about as well. So you're kind of, uh, you know, addressing this as someone who might, um, so we'll, let me rephrase that. So do you think it's important for genetic testing to identify which disease these people have, or, or do you think it's important to then when you identify these patients to say, hey, you should have your family members genetically tested? Yes. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you identify a patient that has um, RP or, or, you know, labors and, and other different inherited retinal diseases, um, you know, you, you really want to figure out who else in their family could be affected by this. Um, and, and asking those detailed questions is, is really important. Thinking about, you know, their family planning even is important for these patients. Uh, do you know what is involved in the actual 
like how to order and or do these tests? Yes. So I've done a couple and a couple of them were just, well, the two that I did were like lessons learned. I did the saliva collection. You can do a couple different uh, ways of collecting the sample. There's like a buccal swab one. There's where you can actually have the blood drawn. And I'll talk a little bit about that as well. Cause I, I didn't realize that before I was researching for this podcast. Um, and I think that would be the easiest option for a lot of people. And the one that I have done the most is the saliva collection, which is really similar to all those other tests, like the 23andMe, where you sit in a room, you can't drink for 30 minutes or an hour before the test, and then you have to spit into a vial. A lot of the times, I mean, I would send the patients home with the sample, whether or not they do it, you know, but the couple that I did get back, we had to redo because one of them the patient didn't pop the top enough on the sample. And so then I just got this nasty saliva. So <laughs> <laughs> test back and my front desk uh, was like, oh, what did you do? Why would you do this to us? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's have them come in next time and we'll have them do it in the office. And then, you know, we can be sure that they'll click it and labeling it correctly and, and making sure that you're ticking all these boxes is important. But I was researching how, how to do these samples. And now I'm realizing you can order them online. Um, and if you go to, there's a website through Invite, who's the company that Spark Therapeutics partners with for this genetic testing. If you go to invite.com slash en slash phlebotomy, it lists all these different draw sites um, where the patients can go in and get their blood drawn for free, um, which I think is a lot easier and probably a lot more accurate. Because um, I had one of the two that I did had come back with like insufficient results or insufficient sample, and we had to redo it again. Yeah, and if, if you know people don't wash their hands and you know all this kind of thing, you never know what's going to potentially contaminate contaminate things. So yes. And you figure if they're serious enough to want to do this, they'll go all out and just, you know, do this. Yes. Basically. Yeah. I think it's really important to talk to these patients about um, that it's available. Um, you know, mostly because I, I think a lot of these patients have, have been so hopeless for so long. Um, and there are just so many things happening with, um, you know, genetic targeted, um, solutions to these these problems, I think it's important that they know that there is progress. Um, and they may not always be in this position. I mean, if you think about how, how amazing the results with Luxterna have been, I mean, the doctor that I used to work with said, it's just like science fiction. She's like, I'm doing it, but it's, it's so amazing. It's hard to believe the results. Yeah. And so basically, when you get the when you order this, so let's say you have a patient come in who doesn't, you know, they say, oh, well, they said I had RP back in the day, whatever, I haven't been to the eye doctor in 10 years, right. you know, kind of going into that somewhat fatalistic aspect of, well, there's mm -hmm. nothing to be done. So why go to the eye doctor? Right. Um, uh, then you could say, well, uh, you know, you look at it, maybe it doesn't look like RP. You say, well, you could have this genetic test done. And so then if they show up with the RP65 mutation, you could say, well, look, now I can refer you to this doctor and they could maybe, you know, they could possibly do this, you know, procedure on you that could get some of your vision back. Yes. And normally what I'll tell people, tell people is, you know, even if it doesn't provide you with a lot more information, you're putting yourself in a system 
Right. Uh, they there's so little known about the incidence of these diseases um, because people will have that sort of fatalist uh, attitude after they get this diagnosis. Like, well, I can't really, you know, I can't drive. I can't, I can't work. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of resources available for these patients that they're aware of. Um, and even after we do this genetic testing through Spark, they actually offer a, uh, a counseling session that's about an hour long um, with the patient where they go over the results and they, they answer the questions that the patient might have. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's what I think is, um, is neat about this. Cause I mean, I have to be blunt. I, as I was reading more about this, I don't know. I didn't remember anything about it. Like I remembered hearing random things about it, like on the radio and you know, yeah. NPR and things like that. But otherwise this was something that I, I could have sworn was just still being studied. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and it was really interesting just the experience that I had in residency because they did a lot of like showing the before and after videos of patients that were navigating through an, uh, a maze, like before and after they had the Luxterna uh, subretinal injection and just the, the huge difference that these patients had in their quality of life. Um, you know, maybe they weren't able to drive, maybe they weren't able to you know, pass a vision test or whatever, but it, I mean, it's, it's a huge deal. Um, and I think that's, that's really where it's going too. Um, even with macular degeneration testing, I think it's important to be able to talk to your patients about, you know, what is your risk? What's your prognosis? And those are answers that we normally can't provide to our patients. So any, any additional information we can get is, I think is good. Yeah. So do you have anything else to kind of add to this? Um, I, I think the background of it is, and we'll put the, I'll put a uh, interesting link in the show notes about uh, just the background of physically how it works. Uh, I think it's, it's amazing. Just the, the, you know, the enzyme that this physically targets that can basically reverse these problems. Uh, so if people are interested and we can um, also, we'll give you that link for on how to order the testing through that Invictus or is that what you said? Mm -hmm. yeah so so yeah so we'll put those links in the show notes so you, everyone can follow up on it yeah the other thing I would say I guess because some patients may be a little bit hesitant to give their genetic information I mean have you ever had that like discussion around the holidays with your family where they're like I'm not giving my DNA to those people like the, the 23 and <laughs> me testing like I think that there's a little bit of that involved with it too, which might be something to talk about. But with the patients who are, you know, lower income, you know, less financial means to go out and find a retinal geneticist or a specialist, I think this is a really good alternative. And I think it's a little different too, because you're telling them to basically get a blood test done. You know, you're not, you're, they're not shipping it out to, you know, some random, so ancestry.com can, you know, <laughs> some parse, all, parse all your data and everything like that. Yeah. So, so that, that's where I think if, if you frame it as the difference of that is we're trying to help diagnose your disease. We're not, you know, going to tell you whether, you know, you can eat bananas or anything like that or not right. this is specifically targeted for just looking for this, um, gene defect mutation basically so the the one thing i'll say also uh, when i got the results for these they were so difficult to read 
I mean, I did have to call in and, and discuss the results with the genetic counselors before I relate it to the patient. Um, because you don't want to look like an idiot when you're talking about these test results right. from the patient. But, you know, um, neither of them were particularly conclusive, right? So I think I went into doing these genetic tests as like, you know what, this is going to be great. You know, you've been searching for a dog for years. This is a free genetic test. Like, this is great. And then I ended up being like, so it's pretty much whatever we've been saying. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think it's important to give the patients an idea that progress is happening. And the more, the more genetic information that we have, the better we're going to be at targeting these different diseases and really understanding how many patients are out there living with them. Do you know if having this genetic test is a prerequisite to getting Lux Turna? Oh, I'm sure it's not. I, I would imagine that because through um, Invitae, they have a bunch of different panels for other genetic testing. So I would imagine that it's they probably would do more intensive tests. Uh, so no, I got no idea, but I would guess no. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking that, you know, if I, I'm assuming that this is not cheap therapy. So, yeah. uh, so I'm wondering like, you know, if was, as an insurance company is going to say, so if we're going to pay for this, we need to make sure that it's going to have the highest chance of working. Right. So what kind of testing, or is it more just as long as the retina specialist says, this is it, whether you have the genetic testing or not, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and so much of this is just like based on clinical description, like, okay, you know, someone has star guards, you know, someone has labors, you know, somebody has RP, just looking at them. So it's, um, I don't know whether or not it's required, but that would be an interesting thing to look into. Okay. All right. Maybe for, we'll catch people up in the future if it comes up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Okay. Well, if you can't think of anything else, this was definitely something that I'm glad we you suggested because I just, other than knowing of these diseases, I didn't really look much you know, else into it. And I think I'm not alone in that thinking. No, not at all. Right. All right. So thanks everyone for listening and uh, don't forget to subscribe because we're going to come out with these every Tuesday and uh, we'll catch you next week. Awesome. Thanks.